Welcome to Gross Anatomy. Are we, we live? Are li- we are live with Gross Anatomy podcast, where we explore the sights, smells, and sounds of medicine and how it pertains to pop culture. And sometimes we talk a little bit about ourselves, which I was just talking to Dr. Cohen about his vacation. His He celebrated 20 years with Bernice, a.k.a. the Master Injector, an amazing woman, nurse, mom, wife. Wow, that was good. And I didn't even I didn't even give you money to say that. that <laughs> well, good. I met her. I know all those things are true. Cool. Yeah. And um, we were in Portugal, which is a magical place. And and I'm I'm afraid even to talk about it too much because it, it was great. You think you don't want people to overcrowd it? Exactly. Although I, it's already, it's already, you know, everybody already knows about it. But it's already out there. My parents have told me, and like, then they also talk about how cheap it is, and everyone wants something that's like cheaper. Yeah, I feel like people yeah. are gonna flood to Portugal. Maybe we should delete this episode and not. Post- <laughs> we can just say, "How was your mysterious vacation to somewhere?" It was two thumbs up. Two thumbs up to my mysterious unknown vacation. Okay. Which makes me think of um, a recent movie that has nothing to do with, well, I guess it's some gross anatomy, a recent movie that I saw that you and I didn't even touch base about um, called The Menu. No, we haven't. My ears are perked up, though. I'm always looking for a good movie. Well, the reason, I don't know if it's good. It's definitely, I think it's worth seeing. And the reason why it's not on either of our radars is because it's listed under horror. But it's not. But it's not really horror. It's kind of like weird, creepy, like, like what the heck is this kind of thing going on. But it's about this celebrity chef who who's played by Ray Fiennes, Ralph Fiennes, Ray, Ray Fiennes, who has kind of, we realize has kind of lost it. And it's, he, he has this event restaurant space that you have to take a boat to, to an island that's crazy desirable hard to get into you know and it's a spectacle each thing and it's about um this group of people on this particular night at this restaurant while this guy is now lost it okay i'm intrigued i would watch that yeah and it's kind of fun and weird and you know i went with my kids who were more excited to see it than i was and they i don't think they loved it um I kind of liked it. I I found I something about it I liked. I I thought it was funny, silly, weird, um, and creepy, but not scary. It wasn't horror by any means. Okay, so you actually saw it in a the theater. I haven't been to the theater in a while. Yeah, we went to the theater. And actually, speaking of theater, um, this weekend I want to go. It's my birthday this weekend. I'm turning twenty six, and yes. I want to. Um, I want to. One of the things I going to try to convince the family to do is to go to a movie with me and the movie i want to see is do you want to guess hmm. last year it was west side story what would it yes. be this year this year would like are any musicals coming out wow that's funny that you go right away oh, is it steven spielberg's movie about his life yeah very good and that's interesting because last year it was his, his West Side Story. Right. I just, that's how I pieced that together. And 
he grew up in a Jewish household family. Like you feel like you might have some like connection to how he grew up maybe. I think so that, and then also, you know, the creativity thing. And it's, it's kind of like a loose autobiographical story. Right. I forget what, you didn't remember the title, something about the Fablemans. Yeah. Something yeah. The Fablemans. I don't know if it's meet the Fablemans or the fate or just the Fablemans. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. So it, it got a decent review on Rotten Tomatoes, but no one in my family has any desire to see it. And the only reason I'll be able to get them to see it is I'll, I'll use the birthday card. Yeah, you got to use the birthday card. Plus, I want to hear their reviews because I'm also debating if I want to see it or not. Right. So that's that's on the list for maybe this weekend. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Michelle Williams like plays his mom, I believe, who she's always good. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. Flying, you know, we we flew a decent amount. So I watched a few movies on the plane. Upsettingly, the, some of the movies I wanted to see weren't weren't on the flights, but I saw Thor. The new Thor movie, the newest Thor movie. Thoughts? Mm. It's fun, fun, silly movie. I mean, I like that kind of movie. And we talked about Helmsworth a little bit. We did. We talked about him and uh, he went to go get his, what, what is it called? It's that, see if the Alzheimer's gene, what is the actual test called? The APOE? I think it's the APOE gene. Yeah. Right. right. So he, he's like one of the two to 3% people in the population that have, it from both sides, his mom and his dad. That's pretty amazing. I wonder, it'll be interesting to see. And it'll be interesting to see how, if at all, he changes his life. I need to watch that. We need to watch that show. Yes. So yeah, everyone can check out our podcast titled The Test Are In is what I titled that one. But uh, yeah, we talk about Chris Hemsworth and all the tests he took. Cool. So you told me you were watching um, another show, like another hit. Well, I think I'm pretty sure it's a hit. I haven't, I haven't watched it. Yeah, well, the, the the this is the prequel to to Yellowstone. Did you watch Yellowstone at all with uh, Kevin Costner? Yes, I have to be honest. My husband watches that, and then I have to leave the room because I make fun of it. <laughs> so, really? I what, do, what does that mean? What do you mean you make fun of it? I mean, everyone thinks she's a great character, but that Beth sister is just like I. I think it's too way over the top. I can't. I can't. So you can't even watch it. Mm-mm. Wow. I so I only saw part of the first episode. I uh, or or maybe one episode or or an episode and a half of it. And then and then my wife Bernice, the master injector who who we've talked about already, mm-hmm. um said has been told that the prequel is great and we should start with the prequel. Okay. Which is 1883. Interestingly, in the prequel, uh husband and wife Real life husband and wife star as husband and wife, country, country music singers. What's his name and what's her name? I did see something about that. So Faith Hill, Tim McGraw is her husband, right? Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. And Tim- I got to say, Tim McGraw is great. I he's got like such a a way about him that I think I I'm I don't know if he's acted before, um, and I don't know if it's the start of a huge acting career, but I, I thought he's got like, he's got some great way about him, like kind of like a Ed Harrisy kind of feeling. I compliment that. That is a world-class actor. All right. I'll believe you. Yeah. I liked him a lot in it. And so it's the prequel. It's, it's how these people made their journey, I guess, to get to the ranch that takes place in Yellowstone uh, in 1883. And, 
the lead character kind of, I guess, is their daughter, their teenage daughter who's kind of, you know, starts out, you know, they're not that they're high class, but they're like in skirts and this and that, you know, 1883. But she has like a wild cowboy streak in her and eventually, you know, becomes this, um, you know, woman of, you know, basically a cow cowgirl or, or you know, totally comes into her own and and that story is phenomenal okay um and my wife loved it you know being someone who grew up in nature with horses um i I think that's what my wife bernice really loved about it but it is just you know here's this woman who's not supposed to be um anything other than quiet you know and who, who becomes you know just as good as the boys uh if not better at at so many things but um the opening episode the the very beginning of the episode is this prequel and then they go back you know to the whole story i i mean it's a it's a it's not a prequel it's a it starts with a flash forward thing you know it, it starts okay. kind of at the okay. end okay um or towards yeah. the it starts towards the end i feel like where, yeah a lot of shows do that yeah right breaking bad used to do that mm-hmm. and so and you don't know who any of them are and you don't know any of this and all of a sudden they're getting their caravan you know they're going through the the wild west and they get attacked by you know the native american indians and she gets shot with an arrow through her through her abdomen mm. and and then it you know and then it flashes back to the beginning of the story and you know seeing her get shot with an arrow i'm like wow, that's a pretty fatal wound. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it kind of went under her rib cage on the right. And you're thinking kidney, vena cava, um, liver, you know, how how is she going to survive this? And then it shows her story um, leading up to that incident and after. And it's uh, it just got me thinking of wacky injuries um, and whether or not that Thing, how survivable that is then versus now, um, how realistic all of that is. Uh, so yeah. that's what got me thinking about this episode. Well, I mean, so right off the bat, I think of, it's crazy to think about now, but it was so normal. Like growing up in Oklahoma, the Broken Arrow Boy was like really famous. Have you ever heard of him? He no. got shot through the head with an arrow and survived and people called him the broken arrow boy because it's city right next to tulsa it's where bill Hader grew up and he actually like came to our elementary school and like did a talk about like surviving this injury and like everything yeah he was really famous it was a you actually met thing. he actually came and talked yes to you. he was like a famous person in oklahoma that like talked to kids i don't know why broken arrow boy yeah wow and did he have the arrow in his head still no but i think it I'm trying to remember. I think it was in his skull for a while where they were like trying to figure out what they could possibly do. And somehow they figured it out and he survived. But um, I think he had a little bit of problems after. He probably did. You know, the interesting thing about, um, you know, people think, you know, they see on the movies and stuff, you know, you get shot, you got to get the bullet out and or, you know, wherever it is. And the reality is, is Often it's safer to just leave, you know, as long as it's not causing some major catastrophe, 
it's sometimes safer to leave the bullet in or leave whatever it is in because to pull it out may, uh, to get to it, A, you have to dig through stuff that you may hurt and then you may unclog whatever it is or, you know, so they, they teach you that, you know, if someone gets shot or has an arrow, you don't pull it out certainly in the wild or wherever you, you wait till you get to, um, you know, a controlled environment and then, and only then um, deal with it. I know. I'll have to look up, see if he's still around, but maybe that was part of the story. Like the air is still in his head or something. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, um, it takes me back to um, when I was a third year resident. Um, so like a, I was a considered as a third year surgery resident, you're a senior resident. You're not a junior anymore. You're not yet a chief. And we were in the ER and I was there with, one of the chiefs, and this is in the olden days, you know, 25 plus years ago, um, maybe 26 years ago or so, um, which is the olden days to some degree. And we were in Kings County, Brooklyn. And back in those days, it was so much less efficient. We didn't have the ability to do CAT scans necessarily on everybody. So we were we did a lot of trauma and anytime anybody would have any possible trauma in their abdomen in their stomach area we needed to make sure they didn't have internal bleeding and there were two ways of doing that there was the way of getting them to cat scan which today is a lot easier and more efficient especially at a hospital where i am but back in those days it, it was very challenging and and sometimes you couldn't so the other way there were two other ways one is you just observe them and keep checking on them and make sure they're not, you know, turning sick, which then it might be too late and you have to emergently operate on them. And then the other way is an invasive way, which now is done so much less often. But back when I trained was, we kind of did it all the time where we did what's called a DPL or diagnostic peritoneal lavage, where basically we stuck a needle into this awake person through their skin, under their belly button, into their abdomen all the way in through, you know, around their guts and then fed a, a wire in it and a catheter and instilled, first sucked to see if there was obvious blood. We we put a syringe on the needle. And then if there wasn't obvious blood, then we instilled a whole liter of saline into their abdomen through this catheter that we blindly stuck into their abdomen and then drained it and waited to see what that fluid looked like. Was it bloody? Was it filled with poop? Was it filled... Or was it clear? And if it was clear, we'd observe them overnight and then let them go home. So we had a guy who came in with a basic car accident, a skinny, totally healthy guy who um, bad car accident. We needed to figure out how to clear his abdomen, his stomach, you know, to let him go. And so we're like, OK, let's do this DPL on this guy. Let's shove this needle in and see if there's any blood. And so. Back in those days, especially more so, and especially at a teaching hospital and a county hospital, it was the let the junior person try as long as you're, you know, as long as you're good at it. So I think the med student tried and wasn't able to, to get it. And then the intern, you know, the first level resident tried and was having trouble and wasn't able. And I even tried, you know, a little bit and I had the chief there and it didn't work so well. So then the chief's like, OK, I got it. Let me do it. And he shoves the needle into the abdomen, 
goes in in the skinny guy and puts the syringe on it and draws the syringe back and just blood just starts flowing into the syringe so easily like free flowing blood like it's like you turned on a faucet Mm. and i looked at him and he looked at me and i said leave the needle in do not take it out i'm calling the or we're going to the or because had we taken it out it was in basically we knew what happened we screwed up and we accidentally shoved that needle into the guy's major artery or vein in their abdomen Mm-hmm. And we knew that if we pulled it out, it would just start bleeding everywhere. At least we had this needle in. We put a cap on it and we're mm-hmm. like, let's take him to the OR. So we took him to the OR, put him to sleep, put him under general anesthesia, sliced open his entire abdomen. It turned out we had a big hole. We had this needle in the vena cava and what the major vein in the abdomen that is a potentially fatal injury. And we got control. We we actually put something to block the flow coming in and out of it. We got what's called proximal and distal control. Mm-hmm. And then once we knew we were stopping the blood flow in either direction, we pulled out the catheter, put a few stitches in, closed them up, and he was fine. And he went home in a couple of days. I'm sure he's still alive unless, you know, something else happened to him. And, you know, we explained it to him, but he could have been dead you know, because yeah. of us with an injury, you know, our own bow and arrow shoved through this guy's stomach. Yeah. I mean, like you always say, doctors aren't allowed to make mistakes, but you're also human and people make and mistakes are going to happen, especially but, at a teaching hospital. Yeah. But the reality is, is it's yes, ideally, we don't want to make mistakes, but it's how we handle those mistakes and right. deal with them. And we did the right thing by the guy right. and he was he was fine. Right. Had we. Right. Had we handled it wrong, it, like just pulled it out, we would have had a dead guy on our hands. And that's the thing. Yeah. You have like, so you sharing that story, like someone else will know what to do. And there you go. We've just saved someone else's life. You could have. There you go. Just because of 1883 and her getting shot through the abdomen. Yeah. And so she got well, through and through. It went totally through her. So she's like walking around with this arrow through and through her. But you know that she survives because she's in the very beginning when because it's a flash no. forward. you don't i don't want to give anything away you don't know if, she's if she survives at all okay um, yeah so but you see her walking around in that episode with the with the arrow through her like not dead immediately okay so i was looking at some other like worst injuries someone was struck by lightning seven times and survived i mean <laughs> seven times at once or like seven no, times different at times Different times. Wow. Yes, he was a park ranger in Virginia. Um, he suffered from burns and got knocked out several times. He said it's even worse than you imagine being struck by lightning. It's like he said, it's like being shocked real bad, but it's worse because you're scalded. It's much, much worse, like being cooked inside your skin. So this happened to this guy seven times. I would never spend time with that guy. I know. He At said, least not outside. Inside, maybe, but not outside ever. Well, I actually did read that he suffered from depression because a lot of people felt that way. They just did not want to be around him. Like he had a hard time maintaining relationships. Yeah. Oh, you know what else I saw on the plane that I enjoyed? Speaking of injuries, bullet train. Did you see bullet train yet? No, my husband was kind of watching that because we were on a plane recently. um, And he didn't really give me a review. What do you think? It was a lot of fun. You know, I, I watched it knowing that I'm on a plane. 
and it's going to be silly, but it was, uh, it would probably be a fun movie to watch in the theater. It's like a lot of fun. I always like watching Brad Pitt and all the other actors were great too. Um, so, and there's a snake in it and snake bites, you know, fatal snake bites. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's kind of a funny, interesting part too. Uh, part of the movie is, is the snake bite injury. Yes. Well, yeah, there was that actor in Malibu, um, Carrie, how do you say it? Use Princess Bride. Yes. Actor. He was bit by a snake in Malibu and had to be helicoptered out of there. A rattlesnake. He had to be helicoptered? Helicoptered. Coptered out. I don't know Coptered what you're out. Wow. I don't remember that, but that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that happened not that long ago. I mean, he survived, but. Yeah, I must confess, every time I go for a hike, no matter where I am, I'm always looking for snakes. Really? You're, that's like your fear? A little poison. Yeah, rattlesnakes. Yeah. Oh, and that's another thing in 1883. There's a lot of snake. There's a lot of snake death and injury in 1883. A lot of snake stuff, which which reminds me of back when I was doing trauma critical care again in Kings County. Um, for a little while, we had this chief of trauma who was an amazing man and a really great um, uh, mentor to all of us um, named Warren Wetzel. Who, who died, unfortunately, while I was still there. He died fairly young of prostate cancer. Um, but he had made a name for himself. He kind of was famous for being the New York area or the tri-state area snake, poisonous snake expert, even though you don't really hear of that happening too much no. in New York. Um, but he made a name for himself as like the snake venom guy and and he used to give these amazing fun exciting talks about about that you know snake uh, different poisonous stuff and anti-venom and how to take care of it and and he kind of made a name for himself even though he was a trauma surgeon but that was kind of a fun and cool thing that i was thinking about i mean yeah it's an important job we need we need the anti-venom task force oh yeah yeah that's i i'm more afraid of bees but yeah i, I don't love snakes either I like bees. There's a lot of common injuries that people, I was looking up like what's the most common weird injuries. Uh, 25,000 people a year have to go to the hospital because they walked into furniture. <laughs> so I guess they, they caused themselves some serious harm or walked into a wall, accidentally bitten by humans on the list, accidentally yeah. kicked by a human. Uh, almost 4,000 people are struck by a horse every year. But not even accidentally bit by a human, deliberately bit by a yes. human or, you know, or some kind of weird human thing. But interestingly, you know, one thing, patients are always nervous, like if they get a bite from an animal, uh, like a dog, it's actually worse getting a bite from a human. The bacteria mm. in, a, in a human's mouth is worse and more uh, infection problem causing than, than, uh, than a dog. Which oh, is yeah, just for sure. Thing. I would be in the hospital right away to get whatever shots. <laughs> an anti-human shot i i mean we've talked about gangrene enough on the show for like i think anything's gonna i'm always like soap and water peroxide whatever i clean every little thing we had this lady i don't know if we've talked about her on on uh this is a reminiscing episode um of king's county and it was back when i was in the surgical icu for my rotation as a resident there was a woman who tried to commit suicide by by jumping in front of a subway train. And she lived 
she was sick in the intensive care unit for a long time. I took care of her for a long time, but half of her body mm. got amputated. So like her whole, you know, I don't remember if it was her left or right arm, leg, torso, but she survived it. And she was sick in the ICU. And then I remember I, I switched services. And then months and months later, I was in the trauma clinic. And in comes a wheelchair, a person in a wheelchair. And it was her. Mm. And uh, I just, she she was so appreciative and sweet. But I, and had a big smile on and remembered us. And I, but I couldn't help couldn't help feel so terrible, you know, for of course that's traumatic. I mean, that's terribly traumatic. How can you not feel so I mean, A, the fact that she was depressed enough to try to take yeah. her life, and but now her life, she survived it, but now with half a body, it's just I hope I hope she I hope she went on and and uh had an had a good life or ha- is having a good life. I don't know, but right. that was a crazy injury. That's yeah, I I mean, depressing. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've been at subway stops in New York where they were closed because someone threw themselves in front of the subway train. It's yeah, it's very sad. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Well, how do we end? This? <laughs> how do how do we how do we end it from there? Well, I mean, I don't really know how to explain this story, but there wasn't another crazy story besides the lightning. I don't even know how this is possible. It said a man had his heart forced into the other side of his chest. He was on a motorcycle and apparently he was, it was so, so much trauma that like, I don't know. I didn't even know that that could happen, but um, I guess when they got the air out, his organs slowly went back into the right place. Yeah, that, that could happen. That's called a tension pneumothorax um, where air, you know, air in our chest, is only supposed to be in our lungs, not around our lungs, not between the lungs and our ribs. Okay. Air is supposed to be just going in our lungs and out of our lungs. So, but what happens, air is a strong pressure. What happens if air somehow is able to get around our lungs in our hard chest cavity that doesn't really give it all? What'll happen is, is that air will start shoving, pushing the lungs away to the opposite side and moving the heart. And unless you could get that air out, especially if it keeps going in there, if you have an open hole, because air will get sucked in. If you don't let that air out, it's going to shove everything across to the other chest and it's possibly fatal. Right. I mean, I, yeah. Okay. I knew you could have. That's an injury we see a lot, actually. Do you? Doing- okay. Yeah. It sounded crazy. All right. But you, you yeah. saw that a lot. Pneumothorax air. Pneumothorax is a fancy word for air in the thorax, in the chest, not in the lung. And tension pneumothorax means that it's putting tension and pressure on the chest cavity, preventing the heart and the lungs from being able to do their thing. And if not relieved pretty quickly, you see it on a lot of like TV shows and movies where they'll, the doctor or surgeon will make a hole in the ribs and then put that tube in. And all of a sudden they're breathing again and they're fine and blood or whatever comes out. And that's, that's what happens. And uh, I remember even seeing it on an episode of Royal Pains, you know, that our friend Mark, my friend Mark uh, Feuerstein was in. He, you know, figured it out on someone and put a tube in their chest to save their life. 
Right. Okay. So that's what, I mean, yeah, I have seen that before, but I've never, I guess in shows, they never show like the organs inside being in the wrong place because they don't, they don't kind of have the uh, x-ray happening while it's happening. Right. And there you go. Happy story. Happy gross anatomy injuries, everyone. Um, Try to take care of yourself. Stay away from animals that might bite you. People that might bite you. Horses that might kick you. Or basically, as one of my partners always says, you, or one of my partner, uh, for, not not a partner, one of the docs I used to work with used to say is, don't get off the couch. <laughs> and then you die of thrombosis, right? Is that right? right exactly. Then long? you get a blood clot. Yeah, then you get a Nailed blood clot. Nailed it. That's true. Very good, Lauren. So don't get off the couch, except if you're going to walk around and do some laps around the couch, but don't bang into it. Don't bang into it. Good. Just a lot of good tips. And there you go. There you go. Thanks for joining us, everybody, on Gross Anatomy. Thanks, everyone. Bye. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine. Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.